Hey, let's do this. Welcome to the podcast. The podcast. I'm George Roskis. Um, so I saw the uh, the new Rush documentary last night in theaters, one night only. Popcorn, diet root beer, and Rush doesn't get any better. Let me tell you something. Those Coke machines at the movie theaters now, where you can kind of pick any flavor of any drink you've ever experienced in your life, um, they're the greatest things to ever happen to the movies. Not you know visual effects, not better seats, not you know uh, a more you know a less human experience where you can buy your tickets on the phone, which I love. The less people I have to interact with, the better. It's the soda machines that take the cake. But yeah, so I uh, I was very fortunate. I got to see the the new Rush documentary about their final tour. It was called Time Stand Still, uh, and it kind of did a reverse chronological uh, play down uh, playback of their final tour last year, their R forty tour, the fortieth anniversary, which ultimately, and as confirmed in the movies, and certainly Neil Peart has said it a lot, uh, it's the last time they're ever going to do this. It's over, and. Uh, I got fairly emotional. I'll be honest. I, I was I was fairly emotional during the uh, the last piece of it, um, and I'll try not to spoil it per se. I mean, it, it's kind of obvious, and uh, the band has been very clear about it to Rush fans out there. But um, you know, the one thing I took away from it was this this undying need for these three men to at you know in their early sixties. I mean, Neil Peart is sixty three. I think he's the oldest of the three guys. At 63 years old, the man still goes out when he was, you know, performing with Rush every night. 63 years old, going out and playing three-hour Rush shows. You know, and it's like, it's not a Bon Jovi show or a Rolling Stone show or a Beatles show. Like, Rush is very intricate, intense, a workout of a performance. Every single song is a workout and is an endurance test for him. And... He had severe tendonitis um, at one point because uh, I guess he rides a motorcycle between every show. He, instead of riding a bus, he rides his motorcycle. Um, and he had somehow developed a fungus on his feet, a bacterial infection. It's kind of gross, but the guy couldn't walk. And he didn't miss a single moment of a single show. You know, and, and what I take from that is just the tenacity in that, the, the, the integrity in that, that he doesn't want to be doing it anymore. Certainly, he doesn't want to be doing it healthy. Nevertheless, with you know tendonitis, hearing issues, infections, fungus, bacteria, can barely walk. And he's playing three-hour rush shows. And then I listen to local bands bitch about having to put together a forty-five-minute set, or even even more so annoying, established bands that don't want to play an hour and a half. They want to play an hour fifteen. They want to play an hour five. Get in, get out, get paid. You know, and then you look at Rush and, and people wonder why why the hell do people care about Rush? Why why are they one of the most revered bands by their peers and fans alike? It's because they give a shit. And and they've put in the work. And at, at sixty some odd years old, they certainly don't need to work. They've got more money than God, I'm sure. Fly around on private jets, do what they want, when they want, play three shows a week. You know, like, why do they do it? Because they they have they have integrity. They give a damn about their audience and their craft, and they want to perform at their best. 
Even in their 60s, they want to perform at their best. You know, and there's a lot to take from that, whether you're a musician or not. Um, that That is really inspiring. And I'll tell you, it's incredibly sad with, with what they've done over 40 years and, and what they've done with their career and the level they've kept it at, even at the end. I mean, it's sad for me in a way that they're closing the chapter on their on you know on their career because it really is, as they said in this, an end of an era. There aren't bands like that anymore. There aren't bands like that. And in my opinion, they're one of the greatest bands of all time for those reasons. The songs are great. But it's the connection with the audience. It's the integrity, the tenacity, the hard work, the patience. I mean, these guys, you know, these guys went out and toured in a, they talk about their vehicles and how they started in a station wagon or, you know, they jumped up to a little bus. They spent 10 years before they got the tour buses. 10 years on the road, 250, 300 shows a year. And then you, you hear about bands now or, you know, people in the industry, peers, you hear about, you hear, actually hear the bands complain that their bus isn't nice enough, that the slide doesn't work, that the direct TV's busted. It's like perspective, man. You know, I'm not talking to bands that went out and earned it and put in their time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to the, the young bands just getting going, bitching about their direct TV not working. You know, and, and you know, there's a couple examples of this. The, you know, I think we're in the golden age of documentaries right now, especially music documentaries. Christ, you go on Netflix, you could, there's a whole category of music documentaries right now. You know, I'm friends with, uh, you know, the original manager of Seven Dust, who I, uh, who I've I've developed a friendship with recently and rekindled uh you know the, his relationship with the band not that it was ever sour he was one of the really good ones to the band um, it just kind of you know as time does uh, there was just a separation and uh, it wasn't for any reason other than it just happened so it's been nice uh, re- rekindled the relationship with JJ French John French uh, guitar player in Twisted Sister and the manager of Twisted Sister. Who in his in between his two stints in Twisted Sister, managed Seven Dust for, I guess six years. From ninety six, I believe. Through two thousand three or two thousand four. Um, what I'm saying, talking about Twisted Sister, is they have a documentary out on Netflix called "We Are Twisted Fucking Sister," and that is a phenomenal documentary you know, highlighting their years in the tri-state New York, New Jersey music scene as an unsigned band selling three, five, ten thousand cap rooms out without a record deal. They couldn't get arrested by the record companies. The record companies would not give a shit about them. And it's an incredible documentary, you know, again, to talk about tenacity and and patience um, and integrity. Doing what you love for as long as you need to do it to win. And that's the exact opposite of how most people view their, let's call it vocations, your calling. People aren't, aren't today. Look at, our, look at our peers. Look at the people around you. Look at yourself, maybe. Certainly, I've had these moments where you don't want to spend the time developing your craft. You don't want to spend the time waiting and hustling, and doing it when nobody cares. Nobody wants to do that. 
Nobody wants to develop. Everybody wants to win today. Everybody wants to be Mark Zuckerberg. You know. To me, I, I want to be called an overnight success in 10 or 15 years. I'll take pride in that. Because it's about the journey, man. It's about giving a shit about working hard. And, you know, you, you can go on right now, musicians especially, or, or people in the industry. You want to you see some tenacity, some hard work, winning. It just takes time. And that's where the amateurs versus the professionals, not the people who are making it aren't making it, but the potential professionals, the people who can make it, that's the big difference. That's the difference maker is patience and hard work. And I know that that's cliche. I know that everybody talks about that. Got to work hard. Got to work hard. But you actually have to work hard. You actually have to have patience. I don't care if it takes me 20 years to get where I want to go. I'm willing to, I'm willing to wait. Because I'll tell you this, I sleep really, really well at night knowing that I'm doing it the right way. I make plenty of mistakes, but there are no shortcuts and I'm not cutting anybody down to get there. So I, I encourage you to check out Immediately available right now if you want. Uh, the, the Twisted Sister documentaries on, on Netflix. Uh, the History of the Eagles. Talk about another one. Oh, my God. These guys. Not only wrote some of the greatest pop songs of all, pop rock songs of all time, one of the greatest vocal bands of all time. I mean, their story is incredible. So I, I encourage you to watch that. That one's called The History of the Eagles. I think it's on Netflix, too. I don't remember. I think it is. If not, get just rent it on iTunes. It's worth it. But, you know, the common thread here, again, on all three of these, Rush, Twisted Sister, History of the Eagles, and I'm sure you can name five or ten that you're frustrated I'm not mentioning right now. The common thread is this tenacity, this willingness when, you know, Twisted Sister signs a record deal, then the record label blows up, falls apart before they can even put their record out. So they think they make it, and then it falls apart. And it happens 10 times to these guys for 10, 15 years. These guys are selling more tickets in, in, in the 70s than most bands can sell today, and I couldn't get signed. If you can sell 250 tickets in any given market in the country today, you're like a gold mine for record labels. You're a gold mine for people wanting to put their money into you. Back then, doing three, five, eight thousand cab rooms in the tri-state area, these guys couldn't get a deal because they were weird. They were different. So when people complain about the music today, the music business today versus then, now versus then, I'll take today any day over then. I mean, these, Christ, these guys were successful and couldn't get a deal. Today you can do one one-hundredth of that and have whatever you need, the tools you need to succeed. Most of them you don't need money for. But a lot of people bitch and moan. Man, it was better back then. Oh, it was better back then. Easier back then. Bullshit. Watch these documentaries. Watch what it's like. You know, the other the other thing that I think about too when I talk about this stuff is the you know, casting your net. You know, what kind of net do you want to cast? Do you want to cast a big net? Do you want to be a pop artist? Do you want to be a successful radio band and, and shoot for the mainstream? 
And and my point here, this uh, just to frame it, my point is not one of integrity. I think everybody, with the right intent, you know, if if they want, can shoot for the the masses. My point here is that I think that niche bands and artists have a better chance, probability-wise, to succeed by being unique and by being different. And you're going to have a smaller general audience, but the audience you have is incredibly dedicated. They'll buy everything you put out. They'll buy it the day you put it out. If, if you're unique and weird, you look at a band like Rush, you know, it's a sausage party at those shows. They have a very specific audience. Now, they had some radio hits. You know, they had some songs that everybody knows. But their general audience is made up and has grown over 40 years of hard work. But their audience is mainly made up of, you know, nerdy prog rock folks. And it's beautiful. Because they've made a, an incredible living doing that. You know, I have a band, Thank You Scientist. I, I put them in that same category. There's n- they'll never have a number one hit at active or alternative radio. Maybe they will. I shouldn't say never. But today they won't. But they're doing better than most bands in the top 20 on the alternative chart right now, so, you know, career-wise, show-wise, guarantee-wise. Because their audience, while smaller than a band who's got a top five single at an alternative or active rock radio, maybe smaller in awareness, but their crowds are bigger because they're more dedicated. One-to-one, those fans give more of a damn because they buy in. Think about songs you know on the radio right now. You sing along, you know the words, you like the song, maybe you stream it, maybe you bought the single. You're not going to go to the show. You got to have a want, you got to have a need to, to give a damn about that artist, to give them your attention, to give them your money. Those things are, are, are hard to get for an artist. And I think that my point here is that when you're a, ni- a niche band or artist, you know, the audience you, you, you acquire, if it's about depth, it's about how intense your relationship is with that audience versus how many you have with you know, it's a Gary Vaynerchuk thing, depth versus width. I'm applying it here to the to the conversation about niche bands. But if your concern is connecting deeper with as, as many people as you can, of course, but connecting honestly and deeply with as much of your audience as you can, you're going to have a, a smaller net to cast, but you're going to win more. Because the people you have give a damn. They're going to buy in. They're going to buy you. They're going to buy everything. And they're going to give you a career, which is the ultimate blessing. It's the ultimate gift is to have an audience that wants nothing more than to see you succeed. Now, my point on integrity before is I don't view bands that want to cast a wide net, that want to be mainstream pop artists. I don't, I don't view that as a lack of integrity. It's just a bigger risk, bigger reward, certainly, if you can hit the jackpot. But beyond talent or marketing, there's an element of luck. There's an X factor that you can't purchase that those big artists have. 
that that make you know is, is it charisma is it you know the way they look the way they talk their their humor there's an x factor that all those things kind of make up this x factor you can't purchase you can't market you can't put it together you know and there, listen there's plenty of artists out there that are manufactured and synthetic and and fake that succeed but that's the audience's fault for buying in but once those folks fall off they fall hard they don't have an audience that buys that needs them they have an audience that wants them they don't have an audience that needs them bands like rush bands like twisted sister they need them their fans need them and that's beautiful and they have careers for it. They absolutely have careers for it. Well, I thank you for tuning in today. Um, I hope that that made sense. hope that you can take something from that. Please give me feedback. I need it uh, to frame our conversation moving forward. I need your feedback. Hit me on Twitter at George Roskos, G-E-O-R-G-E-R-O-S-K-O-S at George Roskos G-E-O-R-G-E-R-O-S-K-O-S or email me directly my email it doesn't go to a box it doesn't go to my assistant it doesn't go anywhere it goes right to me George G-E-O-R-G-E at architect A-R-C-H-I-T-E-K-T music.com that's George at architect music.com thank you thank you thank you for listening I really appreciate it and uh, we'll talk soon <laughs>